You can always expect the joy from a dose of black joy and caffeine, but now you can grab your own caffeine by visiting mimoscoffee.co and grabbing your own coffee from one of our favorite black and women-owned coffee brands. Just visit M-I-M-O-S-C-O-F-F-E-E.co. Go to the store and simply use the promo code BLACKJOY when you check out to receive a discount off their four ounce sample pack. Well, now that you've got your dose of caffeine, let's get back to the joy on a dose of black joy and caffeine. If you're good to go, we're going to go ahead and get started. And thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine. You know, you know, during this season, it's just been really, really amazing because we've had people from all walks of life. And um, I had the honor and privilege to not only work alongside and also just see the, the mastermind um, that we're speaking with today and the creativity and the production. And I mean, she does not stop, um, but <laughs> I am super excited to have have, uh, my good friend Sharon Kimbrell on uh, today. Sharon is a writer and also an award-winning producer who started her advertising career as a creative secretary in 1974 with Burrell Communications. And I mean, if anyone understands, I think the staple of uh, communications and the comm world and marketing and specifically Black-owned agencies, then Burrell is a very, 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 very well-established uh, agency. And I tell you what, for these new kids that are tuning in, if you don't know, you better Google it because somebody better find out. <laughs> but as the company grew, she worked her way up the corporate ladder to senior vice president, director of broadcast production services, executive producer. And she has just produced countless projects, some that I bet, I don't even know, I don't even know, Sharon, if you probably remember them all or like, if you have to put a number on it, how, how many would you say? Oh my goodness. Over the years, probably 30, 40, 50 commercials. It has to be. Yeah. yeah. A lot of McDonald's and Coca-Cola and Ford. So it was a lot. It was a lot. Oh, man, beautiful. Beautiful. And along the way of doing that, not only just work, but award-winning work. I mean, she has won film festivals and different awards um, for the various different product projects that she has worked on, but she is also a Christian and really active member of her church. And that's what I love about her book, because it's so Bible-based in terms of her faith and her true uh, passion, which is not only serving her community, but also her family. And if I may add so myself, something that is not on this list is when we talk about people that can bake, <laughs> Sharon goes more than baking. Cause let me tell you something. A lot of people, they're going to be hitting you up about this right here, this book, but also those cakes too. But with that being said, my good friend, welcome to a dose of black joy and caffeine. How are you doing? I am fine to do. It is a pleasure to be here on this show. Thank you for having me. Oh man, absolutely, absolutely. You know, when I read your when I read your bio back to you, Sharon, and I think through everything that you have done and that you accomplished and that you continue to do, what goes through your mind? 
I'm like, oh my goodness. That <laughs> <laughs> is a mighty long way. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it's been, it's been a journey. My life has been a journey and it's been so much fun along the way. It really has. Um, mm. People are always surprised when I tell them that I used to be a nurse. You used to be a nurse. Yes, I did. I did a lot of different things and I loved them all and they were all important. Uh, so when I hear you read my, my, my bio, I am encouraged mm-hmm. and uh, inspired. And I realize uh, that, I, that I'm a little fearless. You know, I, I, yeah, I thought about that. I was, you know, I'm kind of fearless. I like, okay, well, you know, I'm in nursing, but I just had a daughter and I need a nine to five babysitter. So uh, let, me, let me just change careers. And I just did it. I mean, I didn't even think about it. Let me go into archetype. Let me get a clerical job. Yeah. And I ended up at Burrell, you know. That's beautiful. You know, I think that so often through like the journey of life, so many people are pretty much on a sprint. I want to know at what point of your life did you realize that it's truly a marathon? Well, I guess somewhere in my 30s, (laughs) I realized that it's a marathon. But what I was fortunate, what, what fortunately happened to me is that I came upon a career that I fell in love with. Yeah. And from there, things just blossomed and grew. I mean, everything I had done up until that point was fun, but, and good. But when I stepped into advertising, oh my Mm -hmm. goodness, it ignited such a fire in me. I mean, I didn't even know I was creative. I know I kind of like to write, but I didn't know I was the secretary. That's what I went into the agency being because that that was my skill set. Yeah. So things just changed from there on. I mean, the agency grew and they allowed me to grow because it was small and I showed potential and uh, it was just a great ride, you know? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, creative indeed. I mean, I think about you as a producer, state of the art, just almost a legend in this field, to be honest. And, you know, for you to actually be able to produce something this this strong (laughs) this important i would love for you to talk about this book and that's the reason why we also have sharing on we're going to dive into your career for sure but um how far is a mighty way long is a book that sharon has recently uh wrote and it really outlines her journey as a little girl in chicago being the youngest daughter of andrew and grace jacob oh man talk about that Let's dive more into this book. Okay. Karen, tell us the name. How far is a mighty long, long way. way? Yeah. My grandmother, my maternal grandmother, um, was a Christian and sang in the choir in her church. And she used to sing around the house. Mm-hmm. There's an old gospel song, which a lot of people are maybe not be familiar with, called God Has Brought Me a Mighty Long Way. Mm. And I was talking to uh, my prayer partner and he said something about, yeah, God has really brought me a mighty long way. I mean, it's kind of a familiar saying. And I thought, I said, how far is a mighty long way? That I have been trying to birth for so many years. Over 20 years ago, my cousin said to me, Sharon, you should write a book. I said, write a book? I had never even considered writing a book. And he said, well, yeah, you have a pretty interesting story. And I thought, started thinking about my life. And I said, well, I guess I do. Uh, 
when I was five, I saw my sister get hit by a car mm. and she later died. And then my father died when I was eight years old. Mm. When I was 12, my mother was killed. And so I was raised by my maternal grandmother after that point. And she just taught me that, you know, it's important to have God in your life. And that's that in my faith really helped me to, see, to make it through. Now, as a child, these things were happening to me. I don't know that I didn't realize that they were not normal. You know, the average kid had their parent, you know, they didn't see their, their sister get hit by a car, but I was a little girl. So I didn't know, but I believed in God. You know, I had been praying to God as a little girl. Now I lay me down to sleep. Yeah. I pray the Lord my soul to keep, you know, so I had was building a relationship with the Lord. So I was familiar with his power and his love for me. And all of that just helped to make me be able to come make it through that. It really did. Yeah, it's beautiful. I think and, a long, oh, no, I was gonna say, no, I was gonna say what I, what I really like about, I think that is that, you know, when you think about, you know, how far is something, obviously you, it talks about miles. And that's what I love about the outline of the book. For anybody that purchase is going to purchase the book or thinking about purchasing it, along the way, you have these different lessons. And I love the first lesson where you say lessons from the very first mile. And I could totally relate to this because you've been around me. I like to have a good time and I love joy. But you say, I learned the joy of having a fun, loving family and the terrible pain of losing, you know, a, a close uh, family member. I thank God for my life lessons through the card game, Wiss. So you were a card player. So I, <laughs> I, I love that. And I thank God that he allowed me to experience the love and the close relationship with a sister. It's truly yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I call this book God's book because when I look at it and I read it myself and I was thinking, wow, you know, I was really hip to do it like that, you know, at the end of each mile to include a lesson because yeah. along the way of life, you do learn lessons. Every step stage you go through, there's a lesson to learn there. Absolutely. And so, I, like I said, when I look back, I thought, okay, that was pretty cool to say that like that. All right. So, yeah. Now, one would say, I mean, obviously I understand. Is this your first book, sharing? Yes. Oh my goodness. Wow. Well, I mean, a bar, you set a bar for yourself. So, I mean, go ahead, go ahead with your bad self. Um, and I know that you're probably thinking, you know, one would say, I, I definitely understand, you know, your, your entire life based on the stories that you're sharing and also the pictures, the photography. I mean, great job. That's how I know you have a production background just because these pictures are so clear yet they're so rich. I mean, I think that there's a picture in here earlier, early, like in the book where, I think it was like, I think it's maybe it's you and your mom, I believe, or yeah, me, my mother, and my sister. Yeah. And I remember thinking it's so hard to like that picture was just so clear and so rich. But how long did it take you to write the book? Well, <laughs> it took a while because um, even though my cousin has suggested I write a book, I don't know that I said to him, yeah, I'm going to do that. I think I, think I just kind of held it in my heart and said, Along the way, I'll write a little something, uh, like the story about my sister getting hit by a car. That came really from an essay that I wrote in the English class. Oh, wow. And I kept it. Because I, after I wrote it, I saw, I, you know, I liked it. And one of the things I realized about hey, the English, English class in high school? 
in, in college. It was in college. Oh, in college. Okay. Yeah, it was. I in know. You, I know. In your book, that's where you talk about how in high school, that's where you felt like you found freedom, and that yeah, you know, yeah, that you started finding your voice or whatnot. So okay, okay, in college. So then, um, so along the way, I you know I would just write a little something, you know. Mm -hmm. So I, in terms of how long it took. You said it 20 years ago, and I guess I kind of started to write it, you know, little things over the over the years. Mm -hmm. uh, but during the pandemic, mm. I kept saying, God, why can't I birth this book? I'm a producer. That's what I do. I make things happen. Why can't I finish this book? <laughs> it was really troubling to me, but then the Lord said, the time is now. Yeah. So I found a, uh, a publisher, and I sent her a chapter. I said, just read this and see if you think this is anything anybody would be interested in reading. And she wrote back, wow, I love the writing style. You know, I, I was right there with you every step of the way as a child, some of the things you were doing. And I only sent her a couple of chapters, but she was very encouraging and it made me move on. In fact, after I got her as a publisher, she said, well, how did you get from being a nurse to advertising? How did that happen? Mm -hmm. I said, you know, that's really interesting. And I need to write a chapter about nursing. So I wrote another <laughs> chapter. <laughs> that was kind of funny too. So uh, it took a while. Yeah. It took a while. But it was a labor of love. And there was healing in it as I wrote it. That's, really yeah, that's what I was about to say, I bet. Yeah, there was some healing in it. Yeah. And I'm so glad I finished it. Oh, my goodness. I know. I can only imagine. So we say, you know, the name of the book is called How Far Is a Mighty Long Way. And in saying that on the cover for any of you that uh, have purchased the book or thinking about purchasing the book, you'll notice that there is a little girl on this roll with this train coming, uh, you know, train kind of moving. What was the inspiration behind the artwork? And also who was the artist? Because it's absolutely stunning. In the beautiful, Marsha Norset was the illustrator. So beautiful. Wow. And I told her, I said, Marsha, every time I see the cover, it, I smile. It makes me smile. Yeah. And yeah, look at the little girl. She's got her fist balled up. You see, she's kind of tough. You know, she's going down that road with her little teddy bear. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the train uh, happened based on going to the railroad fair when I was a little girl. Mm -hmm. And the train became an integral part of the story. Mm -hmm. uh, after every hardship I had, that train represented God and Jesus and faith and everything. And it just gave me a chance to get on the train and just kind of relax and, and, and rebuild my faith mm -hmm. as I went on to the next mile. Oh, so man. that's why you see that train there. Yeah, but Marsha knows that. And I think she did a fantastic job. Yes, absolutely. You yeah. know, speaking of the next mile, I want to go to another one of the miles that stood out to me. It was lessons from the fifth mile. And this one, I definitely understand. You say, I learned that sometimes you must get your hands dirty to get the job done. And with <laughs> rubber gloves on, you can do just about anything. I learned to have compassion for the sick. I learned to love and take care of my patients. I learned that there are some sick, cruel parents in the world who mistreat their children. I learned that I had other skills I could use to get another job. I was brave and not afraid to change careers. I learned to whom much is given, much is required. Yes. That's the lesson I learned after I decided to change careers from being a nurse to being a secretary. Mm -hmm. 
because uh, my mother was a nurse's aide in the hospital. So that inspired me to want to work in the hospital. Yeah. And <laughs> my, my first, the story of my first patient was pretty funny. I was like, well, please share, oh. please share. <laughs> <laughs> well, here I was about 19 years old. Mm -hmm. And the teacher would gather all the students together and we were going to, to the county hospital on the west side. And she, she would tell us about the patients we were assigned to, to take care of. You know, and she said, my patient was in his seventies. He was a little confused, uh, had a small bed sore. Uh, I thought, oh, no problem, I can do it. <laughs> yeah, I love it, I love it. I think that that's such a, I think it's such a valuable lesson because especially when it comes to career changes, you have a lot of people that are a little afraid to like even pivot, you know what I mean? When it comes to how they're able to do it. But I think for you to make that transition, you know, so seamless, it really says a lot. What advice would you give to someone that maybe doesn't have that confidence? You know, I mean, we we all love you, Sharon. I think because you 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 ain't shy of confidence. Let's tell you, you 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 sprinkle a little bit on all of us, right, <laughs> about getting it done. But like you know, some people do sometimes find themselves stuck where it's like, I want to make a career change, but I don't know where to start. I don't know where to go. Is there any advice that you would offer? The first thing I would recommend is that you pray. <laughs> You ask the Lord to show you what to do because sometimes you don't even know all the gifts that you have. Mm. And I, each time I made a change, it's because I had a gift that I wasn't using. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay, well, I can use that. I know how to type. I can do that. And you, and you have to be bold. You have to believe in yourself. I can do this. Yeah. Can do this. And then just go for it and, and try to do it. Um, yeah, that's all I can say. Just oh, man. Yeah, definitely. Now, you know, one of the things that I really love, as I mentioned about the book is how much of your, your, your family that you have incorporated in here, and you call them your blessings. And that's Crystal, um, as well as uh, Tiffany, as well as um, Ian, and you have pictures in here from, I mean, your senior prom, you know, I really love that. But what has your family said? Have they read the book yet? And what are their general thoughts? Yeah, they read the book. And uh, they were glad to, to read it because I gave them more information about the family that they didn't know. Because, mm. because my grandmother, my maternal grandmother raised me. I knew her better than they did. Mm -hmm. And so I could tell some stories that they didn't know about. Or it helped them to understand the relationships that I had with certain people in my family. Mm -hmm. Like Louise, who I was raised in the house with, and Sonia and Roland. Those are my cousins, but we were close. We were like nine of us living in an apartment, a one bedroom apartment. And so family was important, family was close. And, you know, so many people now, everybody lives in different places. We live together. Yeah. And I think that made a, a big difference in the kind of person that comes out of a family like that. There's a stronger person, there's one who, who loves people, you know, yeah. there's one who learns to cook, you know, yeah, yeah. so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, that's absolutely beautiful. So look, I want to actually take a walk back down memory lane. One of my favorite songs. I don't know if that's yours. Back down memory lane. Yeah, that's right there. You know, I love it. Every time I hear the dum dum, I'm like, oh, it is. 
It's a jam. <laughs> it's a jam. It's a little jam, Sharon, just saying. But with that, um, you know, going back down memory lane, let's actually take a walk back when you were working at Burrell Communications Group. Tell us some of your earliest, you know, fondest memories of, you know, being there during the heyday. I would love to know more. Yeah. And when I started at Burrell, there were probably about maybe 10 people there. And I was had as a creative secretary, which means I just typed scripts. Mm -hmm. scripts and estimates and um as the company grew we got a big account and tom burrell called me into the office and he said sharon i like to imitate tom sharon <laughs> we have a new account and uh what it is what is it you think you want to do here and i said well i don't know tom maybe print production i was just learning the agency and trying to understand how i function yeah. And then I changed my mind and said I wanted to do broadcast production. But he was so encouraging. He said, well, okay, we'll start going to sessions and, and learning more about it. And then I was <laughs> I was asked to do a job that I really didn't know anything about. <laughs> but I learned it. Yeah. Made sure I learned it. And uh, I just continued along that path until I knew all the ins and outs of broadcast production. Mm -hmm. I knew about talent payment traffic, being a business manager. I just followed that path. Now, I did leave Burrell and I came back. Mm. Because, you know, I was a young mother and I was like, okay, I need a job making a lot of money so I can take care of me and my daughter. Yeah. And so I went into real estate. I took a real estate class. Okay. I left the agency to sell real estate. They had me a wonderful farewell party that Friday. I started at a real estate office that Monday, and then I got a call from Burrell. We need you to come back and do some freelance for us. I said, okay. So I would go in the evenings, I'd freelance for them. And then it was like, you know, we need you to come back and work some more. Okay, well, but what about what about if I work four days a week and I could still do, do um, real estate? Well, none of that lasted long. They're mm -hmm. like, Sharon, we need you to come back. Yeah. <laughs> so I was so glad to be somewhere where somebody really cared enough about me to help my, me to grow. Because each time I came back, I was doing a little more than I was than I was before. And yeah. I just continued to grow. And I loved it there. I love the people. I love the business. I even decided, you know, after I became a producer and started going in the studio, I was like, I believe I can write this. I want to use commercials. I believe I can do that. And so I did. I wrote oh. a commercial. It was a radio commercial. And I asked one of the writers if she would present it at one of the meetings, the creative meeting. She said, sure. And they bought it internally. And then it went to the client and the client bought it. So I was so excited. Oh, nice. That, that was the first thing that I wrote to sell, you know, because again, I was not a writer. Yeah. I was a producer. But I don't know. I always liked to write. Yeah. And, and I realized that I had a style of writing uh -huh. um, that was a little not different, but it was my style and it was, and people enjoyed reading it. Yeah. When I was working at Malcolm X College, which even predates Burrell, there was a, a teacher there and she wrote, she read one of my stories. She read the story about my sister uh -huh. and she said, you have a nice writing style. I want you to read Maya Angelou. I know what the cave bird sings. 
And I said, okay. So that was my first introduction to her. And I read that because it was something about the way I wrote. She said that reminded me of her style. Mm. And now that I know who she is, I'm like, well, even then I was like, wow, I'm writing like somebody like this. I mean, I was impressed. Yeah, yeah. All of that was part of my growing. That was all a part of it. Yeah. Even and even in here, though, it's like and maybe because it's like I said, we you know, we were in the trenches and I'm familiar with it. But even as I read different parts of this, it's like I would hear your voice, you know, Um, uh, page 88. You start off one of the lines where you said I had a new boss who was creating stress for me. (laughs) Like that's it. (laughs) I was like, oh, God, I was like. I was like, Sharon really just letting it all out. But you say, I had a new boss who was creating stress for me. Then you say, he was demanding that I cut my staff. I didn't want to. I didn't want to do it. For several years, it had been difficult to get my blood pressure, blood pressure, very vulnerable, I think, here, under control. So I decided to take a medical leave from my job to concentrate on me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's there's this new narrative, Sharon, right? where there's this whole thing about Gen Z creating the self-care movement. And I'm like, y'all got self-care because folks were creating that before you. This ain't new. Yeah. It's people want to, I think people want to make it something that's glamorous. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Because it it feels trendy now. But what was it at that moment that you actually realized I need to take a medical leave for myself and once again, being bold, I don't care how anybody feels about it. I'm putting myself first. Gotcha. Beautiful. Because I, I went to the doctor and mm-hmm. just a, a regular checkup, nothing was wrong. And my blood pressure was very high. Mm. And the doctor said to me, your, your blood pressure is stroke level. And I said, stroke level? What, what do you mean? He said, it's very high. And I had to start taking medicine. And I was like a kid. I was like, I don't want to have to take medicine every day. And I called my daughter, one of my blessings. Yeah. And she said, mom, just calm down. Don't upset yourself. You just need to take the medicine. I said, but I don't want to take it. <laughs> I, take it. I mean, I was, I was a kid. She was the mom. <laughs> really, you know, those roles change sometimes. Yeah. And, um, but she blessed me. She said, mama, just calm down. You got to take it. You're going to upset yourself. Take the medicine. And you. I started doing it. But, but it. but I realized how important my health was. And how, even though I went to the doctor regularly, high blood pressure had escaped me. I, did, I didn't realize I had it. And then once I realized I had it, it was such a, in such a high state, I could have had a stroke. And I said, yeah, yeah. I, I need to stop and take care of me. I got to stop and take care of me because I want to be around. I want to be around for my grandbabies and my, yeah. and my daughter, you know, yeah. so. And trust me, we want you to be around to continue to make those cakes. Now, what was your introduction to cooking? Who taught you to cook like that? Or are, are you just self-taught? Well, I had an aunt, an aunt who lived with me and my grandmother, once my mother passed. Mm-hmm. And she liked to cook. She liked to bake. Yeah. So I really got the inspiration from baking from her. And that cake that I bake, it, it's not her recipe. It's someone else's recipe, but just the love of baking, you know, creating something making cookies and yeah. I just I just enjoyed doing it and she, and really I just kind of picked it up yeah and, and so, those and those and those you still make those lemon tart things a little lemon uh, lemon bar and potato chip cookies yes yes oh <laughs> with the powder with the with the powder right the little sugar sprinkled on top no I mean you you out here you out here you have books when is the bakery coming that's my <laughs> 
Well, you know, I have a few people who've talked about the whole bakery idea, and I said, no. Oh, you know, okay. Bacon, I love to do it. I enjoy yeah. it. And, and Christmas is coming, and I'm going, you know, I'm going out of town. And I said, oh, don't nobody ask me to bake. Because I'll be trying to do it at the last minute, and, and it's I got too many things going on. So, yeah, no, listen. I do, I, but I do, I enjoy baking because I enjoy the, to making people happy when they eat it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, thank you so much for sharing that story about, you know, I think your journey at Burrell Communications. Um, one of the things that you mentioned in your book about Burrell is the documentary called Burrell Advertising a Revolution. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about why that has such an impact on you. Okay. Uh, Denise Pendleton who has been a friend of Burrell over the years, wanted to do the documentary. Mm -hmm. And she contacted me and we were talking. And I said, and she asked if I would work with it. And I said, sure, I work with you on doing it. Cause I, cause I, I'm probably me and a few other was like the oldest members of Burrell. So I knew a lot of history about Burrell, commercials, the people and all of that. So I, went, I worked with her to do the documentary. And it was really a blessing because Burrell had a story to tell. Yeah. He has a story to tell. He he started in the mailroom at an agency and then later decided to create his own agency. And then more importantly, he wanted his agency to be, to create advertising that was targeted to the African-American consumer. Because he, he told his clients, you know, Black people are not dark-skinned white people. Yeah. They're, they're a whole nother generation. They're whole different people. We came here different than any other people. Absolutely. We came here on the slave ship. We're different. You need to talk to us differently. And so with that message to his clients, they allowed us to do that. They allowed us to create advertising that was targeted to the African-American consumer, with situations, with Black situations. And the average, I mean, they, they loved it. They loved it. It was, it was wonderful. It was a great time. In the, in the life of Burrell as they continue to grow with that same message, black people are not dark-skinned white people. Mm -hmm. Our advertising needs to be targeted. And we went about the business of doing it. And not only uh, doing it, but also when I would go on shoots, I'd say to my production company, I expect to see some African-American crew. Yeah. Because you know that part of it is not gonna grow. Mm -hmm. Unless somebody you know forces the issue. And one of the things Tom said, asked me when I when I went on my first shoot, he said, well, Sharon, what, you know, what did you notice about it? I said, Tom, there were no Black people, only the, the, the uh, people in the commercial. What about the crew? Yeah. And he said, yeah, you know, we need to work on that. And, you know, I thank God for McDonald's, one of our clients, who was an equal opportunity employer. And they, along with us, put on a, uh, we did a little workshop in our agency where we invited black directors to come in so they could talk about the crew and and hopefully get some of the general market agencies to use some of them. I don't know how many actually did, yeah. but it was an attempt. And and my little way of, of, of adding, you know, helping in that way was to let them know that I want them to have to hire the black. Mm -hmm. They can do something on this job, I know. Because you know you spend a lot of money on production. Yeah, yeah. Two or three hundred thousand dollars, you know. They can share some of the wealth. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful, beautiful story. 
I mean, I think that it's people like Burrell, as well as so many of the other people that you mentioned in your book, throughout your book, where I just got to say, Sharon, it was almost like a love letter, you know, where it's like, yes, your name is on the front cover, but there are so many people that you mentioned, whether you're talking about Burrell or you're talking about your family or even the third mile, even the third mile, which is mama, you know, and then you talk about your grandmother, uh, Emma Walker. Um what does she mean to you? And I think what can people expect as they're reading that chapter of the book? Emma Walker was some kind of grandmother. She was loving. Mm -hmm. She was strong. She was a Christian. She loved the Lord. She loved me. Yeah. And, she encouraged me. and the thing, my grandmother had six children. And moved from Arkansas to Chicago with her husband. Mm -hmm. and he died shortly after they came here. So at oh. 33 years old, she had to raise three children by her, six children by herself. Now, one of her children <laughs> had a baby. Mm -hmm. The mother brought the baby to my to my grandmother. My grandmother raised the baby and him. Okay. He's still a baby. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. okay. I mean, so that. And then she raised me after my mother died. So she was some kind of grandmother. Yeah. And she was always encouraging. I never felt like I was a bother. I was in the way. And she was funny. She was funny and she was so much fun, I tell you. Some of her sayings are priceless. Mm -hmm. They're just priceless. Yeah. Like, I like the one I like the one that you have in your book about um I think it's if your eyes are wide shut about people that are lying to you. I can't remember exactly what it is, but you said uh -huh. um let me see if I can go to it. Hold on, I'm trying to remember it. I was in here. Let me now I got to go back to it. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, but yeah, the sayings that she has or that you put in here, I mean, I was cackling. I was just up here cracking up because I could hear it. But here it is. Every shut eye, every ain't shut eye ain't sleep, and, and every, every goodbye, goodbye ain't gone. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's it right there. If she, that's if she, right. So every just, shut like, eye yeah, so just so for the listeners at home, talking about those quotes and what Sharon was mentioning, uh, when you go to the third mile as you're reading the book, it says, "If she believes someone to be dishonest, she would tell me every shut eye ain't sleep, and every goodbye ain't gone." Hilarious. Oh man. And then another one that she would say is that room is so small you can't cuss a cat without getting hair <laughs> down your mouth. So you that's tight. <laughs> she was sharp. She was sharp. I don't know where she got these from, but I, I'm gonna have to I'm you you may have to copyright some of these because I may start using them myself, bringing I'm them. I'm telling back. you, yeah. <laughs> and I I've told those things to so many people, friends and family members, and they would just crack up laughing. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, you, you know, I, I, yeah, I mean, I want to kind of talk to you a little bit about, I think, um, how have you managed and maybe, you know, to you is just second nature, but I think to put family first, and is that something that you always have done? Because, you know, so often through the world of production and creativity and advertising and writing books, um, you know, you could be so head down to where you realize you're like, go, 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 go. But you have family and you have grandchildren and you have cousins. And how have you ever struggled with that throughout your career? Yes, there was a period when I first started in production. Mm -hmm. um, because by this time, my mother's dead. 
My grandmother's gone. Yeah. So I have, and I have a teenage daughter. Yeah. And I'm flying here and uh, you know, teenage daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm flying yeah. here and there, you know, on shoots and stuff. And so I had to kind of manage that. And, and I don't know if I ever quite figured it out, but I did the best yeah. that I could. Yeah. And then as she got older, it got a lot easier. Um, but there was a little struggle right there for me in dealing with, you know, taking care of my child and my work. Because I, I felt like everything I was doing was to make life better for her. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. But I can't, I can't, but I can't forget about her. You know, mm -hmm. I can't forget that she wants me to be home at night. And, you know what I mean? I can't forget those things. And, and we finally worked it out. We worked nice, out. nice, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also too, to just still come around it. I mean, you know, I think every good mother is always going to be hard on themselves because that means that they're just a great mom and they're going to do that. If, they're, if you other got moms that are around here saying, oh yeah, I was great. I was perfect. It's like, uh, something no. wasn't. <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. But you, I'm going to be like, you need to write a sharing book and let it all out because right. you got some stuff. <laughs> right. And, and you know, sh shows you how life is and, and how I have the favor of God is my daughter now lives right next door to me. Oh, no way. <laughs> in the house next door. I mean, we could holler across the fence. <laughs> now, she had been gone. She moved to Memphis. Mm -hmm. And she was gone for probably almost 20 years. If, yeah, yeah, probably yeah. about 20 years. And she came back here uh, kind of see after me after I had some surgery. And my neighbor had just passed. And <sighs> she liked the house. You know, I told her, I said, Krista, I said, you know, my neighbor just passed and I'm sure his, his girlfriend is not going to stay. She said, Mama, why are you telling me that? I said, I don't know. I'm just telling you. I don't know. But after she came home, she saw the house and she fell in love with it. Yeah. And that's my neighbor. And, and your I'm daughter's so name is? Crystal. Yes, Crystal. And I think in the book, she's a little bit, she sounds a little, a little bit like you in terms of some similarities. I mean, I think in the book, you talk about how Crystal never had a problem getting a job. No, never did. <laughs> you know? And, yeah, and she's very wise. And, and, and she's always, um, school has never, she's always kind of struggled with school. Always been good. Mm -hmm. Smart, graduated with a, ACT score higher than the valedictorian. Oh, I mean, no. but she just had a hard time applying herself. Yeah, and a part yeah. of it, I think, was boredom, perhaps. Um, but yeah, what is it's the all, one? What is the one thing that you would hope people get out of this book, if if anything? I think that there are so many different you know, life lessons, um, family members. I think that there's so many relatable experiences, but what's the one thing, your one takeaway that you're like, I hope people receive this from this book. I hope they are they are inspired. Yeah. Yes, for one, can I give you more than one? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, yeah. You, for, hope, for you, Sharon, that. yes, for you, absolutely. <laughs> A lot of people, but no, I, I'll let you have it. <laughs> I do, I just love you. Let me just oh, say Oh, I love that. you too, I love you too, I know, I know. Are you still in Chicago? Yep, still in Chicago, still in Chicago. So I hope people are inspired. Mm -hmm. I hope they know that God will see you through a storm. Mm. I hope they have continue to have faith and trust God. 
That's what I hope people get out of that book. Just, yeah. you know, and, and I tried to be honest about my life and things that happened to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I was saying to people, you know, everything in there is true. I wrote it in a way to try to entertain, but the things did happen, you know. Mm-hmm. And like I said, my right, mom was to get hit by a car. My father died. My mother was killed. All that's true. Yeah. And, but God kept me. He kept me through it all. And he yeah. kept me sane. Yeah. And I'm not bitter. I'm not mad about it. I could have been mad or did. I could have been an angry person. But I'm not. You know, well, you know me. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. <laughs> you know. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I always knew, I always knew you. I, 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 some of that too, though, because Sharon always been fly too. You ain't gonna catch her half stepping when she come out in a in an in a outfit or what she got going on. She said she, you always been fly, Sharon. You ain't never going out the house looking crazy. <laughs> well, thank you, thank yeah, you, thank yeah, absolutely. But no, I I absolutely agree. I mean, I think you know if I could just hold up a mirror to myself, and if anything, and I know that your your words and what you say inspired. I think people want to get all that, but I also think it's really about asking. Um, asking more questions and really getting to know someone. Now, the level of transparency that you have in this book is obviously, you know, that's at your discretion, you know, how much you share. But I mean, just reading it is just like, you. sometimes you just really never know about someone's life until you start diving into it. And I mean, the also too, the, the amount of tragedy, because there is a significant amount of tragedy, but it taught me how you overcome and, you know, during those times of tragedy, um, especially back to back um, and that there is brighter side, you know, there's a brighter side of things. If you truly do put your trust and your, uh, your faith in God to, to lead you um, down the miles uh, that you'll, you know, continue to be on. So, yeah. And then I had the inspiration and the encouragement of, of a grandmother who never let me, uh, well, I wasn't really sad. I was never really sad. I can't, I was going to say she didn't let me be sad, but I, I was never really sad, but she was always encouraging and loving. Yeah. And she taught me <clears throat> how to be a grandmother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She taught me how to be a grandmother. My grandson and granddaughter were here in Chicago not too long ago. And my grandson said to me, he's a huggy because he knows I like to hug. So he always hugs me. Mm-hmm. And he said, Granny, you're a real grandmother. And I said, a real grandmother. And my my cousin heard him say that. And she said, did you hear what Ian said to you, Sharon? He said, you're a real grandmother. (laughs) I said, yeah, but. And so then I repeated it to my grandma. She said, yeah, grandma. My grandma bakes cookies. Oh. Bakes cakes. Like a grandmama do. You know, like a grandmama. A lot of grandmamas don't do that, Granny. Mm-mm. No, they they listen. They gonna say that they gonna get that store bought, and uh, that's gonna be right. it. And go so that and sell. I said okay, but but my grandmother taught me how to be a grandmother. Yeah, and I'm so grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Not like a grandma. I know. You know, before before you leave, and I hate this. I'm like Sharon. We may have to have a part two, but I will tell you what, the part two is is gonna be that yeah. second book because I know it's coming. Not to push <laughs> you, but I know it. I know you already got your wheel spinning, so you know. Oh, but um, if I know this may be hard for you, so you know, no pressure. Maybe there's a certain section, but is there a particular part of the book that you always kind of come back to now with you being able to consume it or that stands out? Yeah. Is there one part that? 
Yeah, and, and, and the part of the book that people chuckle about to me all the time is they mm -hmm. this A Christmas tree. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. 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 And so it says oh, Wait, here, hold on. I got my copy here. So what, what page are we on? That's page 11. Okay. Yeah. It yeah, actually early. starts at the bottom of 10. Okay. I got you. Yeah. And it says one day. Mm -hmm. But Myra and I were outside building Myra and, my Myra and I were outside building a snowman. But our neighbor, Mrs. Jones. Oh, wait. Hold on. Come a little closer to the mic, Sharon, because I don't want people to miss this. Okay. Let's go. I, I can okay. Yeah. One day, Myra, my sister, and I were outside building a snowman when our neighbor, Mrs. Jones, and her son, Butch, passed us carrying their Christmas tree. We got excited and asked, where did you get your Christmas tree? At the store on 55th Street, Butch replied, we didn't have our Christmas tree yet, so Myra and I decided we would make it our responsibility to get this year's family tree. <laughs> 55th Street was just a block from our house. We walked to the corner turned right and saw this big, beautiful Christmas tree on the sidewalk of the storefront. This must be where Mrs. Jones got her tree, I thought. Myra spotted the tree. Let's take this one. It's pretty, she said. We picked up this large fur Christmas tree and started to trek back home. We had no idea how to carry a tree and didn't realize it would be so heavy. We were carrying it upright. After a few steps, we had to put it down to figure out the best way to carry it. We grabbed it again. This time, Myra picked the front end of the tree, and I picked up the root. The limbs were scratching my hands and blocked my view. It seemed like every other step, I would hear Myra say, ouch, <laughs> these prickly fire <laughs> bird meters were sticking her hands and back too. We were struggling, but together, we got it done. We were determined to surprise my mother and family with the tree. I could only imagine that people we're looking at the tree moving down the street seemingly on its own, but with little legs underneath it. I don't know why the store owner didn't see us. Finally, we made it to our home. Put the tree down, rang the bell. I'm going to jump a little bit because what I want to get to is my mother's reaction when she saw us. <laughs> yeah, let's get to your mom's yeah. reaction. Yeah, so she said, we, you know. Where in the world did you get that Christmas tree? Yeah, she said, where in the world did you get that Christmas tree? <laughs> Our mother asked. We got it from in front of the store on 55th Street. You like it, Mama? Myra proudly boasted as we continued mounting the stairs. What were you doing on 55th Street? Our mother started back. We went to find us a Christmas tree, Myra replied. When we were asked so many questions, we stopped on the chair. I was standing there with a stupid look on my face. I was glad Myra was the big sister and she could answer all the hard questions. And how did you pay for it? Our mother quizzed. We got it for free. Myra responded, for free? No one's giving away Christmas trees. <laughs> my mother was giving us a life lesson in addition to so <laughs> Did you ask for it? <laughs> no, we just sat and walked home. My mother called. Let's see. I have my mother, Myra, secretly replied. So, in other words, you stole the tree, my mother. Sarcastically responded. No, mama, we weren't stealing. I mean, we didn't mean to steal. We didn't think we had to pay for it. <laughs> I immediately broke out crying. Okay. <laughs> Stop there. Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. I decided this is too hard for me. <laughs> I'm just a little girl. Uh, yeah. I was four, and my sister was six. 
how did y'all but how did y'all even have the strength to carry that thing we don't even know how we did it you know what it was i think we wanted to tree yeah yeah it, you know what i mean it was a we wanted to tree yeah and it seemed like it was five feet tall it could have been three feet tall in reality oh, my goodness. we were little kids yeah but that that was kind of a funny moment oh my goodness listen sharon <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine. And for my listeners at home, please make sure that you all check out How Far is a Mighty Long Way. Where can people purchase or even find out more about the book? Okay, the book can be purchased. The book, the ebook, and the audio book can be purchased on Amazon. Okay. The book is $15. Okay. The ebook, I think it's $5.99. Okay. And the audio book. I don't know. They, they, you just have to subscribe to the audiobooks. But yeah, Amazon.com, you can find, find the book. Now, wait a minute. This is new news because after you reading that excerpt, you did an audio version of this? Oh, of course. Okay, that's what I got. Okay, yeah, I got to get that then. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah I, I did it. And you know why? Because people kept saying, you need to read the audiobook yourself. Yeah. Your book. And I'm thinking, but I'm not a, I'm not a voiceover. Uh-uh. Read it yourself, Sharon. I like your voice. Read it. And I yeah. just did. I struggled through it. It was hard. It was hard. I know. I bet. How I many did. hours was that or days, shall I say? I had about three or four sessions. Oh, that's, well, you kind of kilted then. Okay. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> I read it and then corrected it. And I worked with uh, Kevin Smith, who was a music producer. Wow. I write, I write, I write songs, too. I, bet, uh, I do. Okay. <laughs> okay. So right. uh, we've written a bunch of songs, Kevin Smith and I, and uh, he produced the audiobook with me. Oh, man, this is so beautiful. Well, thank <laughs> you so much. Sharon, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you, Seriously. too. <laughs> a little yeah. cra crazy all do. I, I don't grew up a little bit, Sharon, I tell you, oh, but I know you call I know, but I love you. I love your spirit. You love your spirit and your energy. Oh, thank you. I saw thank that you had a podcast. I was excited for you. And I love the title. Ah, uh, that's what title. we all need. That's what we all need. Yeah. You know, before we leave, speaking of the title, I do call this a dose of lack, joy, and caffeine. If you had to give people a dose of anything before you get out of here, what would be that one thing? A dose of love. Mm, yeah, that's what we need. That's what we need. Yeah, we um, need love. We need love. Well, we'll do that. Well, thank you so much. And thank you all to my listeners at home for tuning in. Please make sure that you remain safe and that you deserve a dose of Black joy and caffeine. Until next time, I'm Adu. Take care.